Father in heaven, I want to thank you again um, that we can come into your presence and we can once again, we can learn about another method um, in literature evangelism that you have given us to reach out to this lost world. Father, I pray that your spirit would be with us once again for our third and last session. And Lord, that your spirit would be here to speak to our hearts. Lord, perhaps there are some in this audience that you are calling to be full-time uh, call porters like they were in the olden days. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak to them personally. Lord, I, 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 have, uh, I have no ability to um, just communicate adequately, Lord, the high and holy calling that you have given us in the literature work. So Father, I pray that you would make up for my deficiency. And Lord, may your strength be made perfect in my weakness. And we ask for these things in your name. Amen. All right. Um, quickly, two things before we actually get into the seminar. Um, somebody asked, how did GLOW start? I think I shared a little bit about that in the first session. I'm, I'm forgetting just because I've been speaking for so long, my mind is getting dim. But <laughs> let me just summarize it uh, one more time. Uh, three years ago, um, in Central California Conference, we had a lot of money from an evangelism offering, and they said, hey, how can we use this money? The idea came up, let's start getting adults involved in literature evangelism, not just the kids out there selling books during the summer. Let's get adults involved too. And so the idea, that idea trickled down to the literature ministries department where I was working with that, I was working at the time and I uh, happened to be working at, um, it, not working, <laughs> living in a renovated little garage, uh, a studio apartment where I had nothing to do other than sit around and read Spirit of Prophecy books um, and play my guitar. So <clears throat> that I did, had thought in mind, read publishing ministry, and from the blueprints of that, that book, really, GLOW began. Uh, we started it with a few churches. Um, some other people were there to help out uh, to begin with as well. Heidi Bryant, Bill Crick. And uh, we just started spreading it around. And soon we found ourselves with a whole waiting list of churches that wanted to start the program. And then we had a waiting list of like conferences that wanted to get it going. Yada, yada. So we've printed about 10 million tracks in the past three years. It spread to 13 different conferences. And we're constantly getting inquiries from people outside of the NAD, the North American Division, which is the United States and I think Canada too. So um, <clears throat> it's not because of the talent or the genius of the people who are pushing the work forward. It's because of the Holy Spirit and because he wants this to happen. He wants his people to be equipped and he wants the people outside to be saved. By the way, you know why we do evangelism right now? Yes, it is to save some souls. But I believe one of the biggest reasons why we do evangelism is because it helps prepare us for the latter rain. We aren't going to be ready for the latter rain until, as Mrs. White puts it, the majority of God's workers know what it means to be co-laborers together with him, with God. And, you know, when we give Bible studies, it helps us to love those people more. And that is the same love that Christ has for them. So that prepares us to be more like him. And in doing that, we then become ready for the latter rain. And that's when the big work is going to happen. I tell you what, one person who has a latter rain power is going to convert more souls to the kingdom than probably any one of us during a whole lifetime. You know? So evangelism today is just like a, it's a, it's a boot camp or, you know, small training for the, for the big stuff. <clears throat> um, and last thing before we get into the, the actual presentation is I told you guys that if you came back, or for those of you who are, are here, that we're, um, you're going to get the best stuff. When a person calls in to request Bible studies from a glow tract, um, they oftentimes leave voicemails for us. What I do is I take some of those best voicemails, I edit them, take all the personal information out, 
and then I put them on a little presentation so you can read the words and you can hear them requesting Bible studies. And I have that available for you. I'm actually going to show it to you. And uh, I hope that's going to be a blessing. It's been an inspiration to a lot of people. So hopefully all the technology is going to work with us in the mics. This woman, um, she found it in her uh, glow tract in her purchase from a garage sale. And it helped her from... I just read a glow pamphlet. Uh, the way it explained this about the signs of the times, dead men don't talk. I really understood it, and um, it was very easy for me to read and to understand. A lot of things aren't easy for me to read and understand, but I did this, and um, I had a son die, and I've always had people try to get me to go, you know, talk to people and have them talk to me. It's a seance. And I never believe in it, and... Um, but uh, I would like more literature on things like this. Um, uh, thanks for listening, all I can say. Thank you very much, and thanks for letting me have the pleasure to read this. Thank you, and God bless you. Bye-bye. She didn't go to a seance because she read the glow tract on spiritualism. We have a, this is a non-Adventist calling in to request literature. He's a chaplain of three hospitals. Yeah, my name is Max Reinhardt, and uh, I do chaplain work at three hospitals here in town. I got to come across that one. Does God know that I'm really hurting? And I just really like that. It's awesome. I thought they give it to a couple of my patients where uh, somebody has died. But anyways, I was wondering if I could get some of those. Uh, I'll even pay for them. But I wanted to get their little pamphlets. And uh, just appreciate if I could get some more of those little copies. Does God know that I'm uh, really hurting? All right. Thank you, and God bless. Bye. This is a non-Adventist just calling in for Bible studies. I love it. Hello. My name is Miguel, and I'd like to know if I can order maybe a, a packet of those Sign of the Times um, little uh, tracks so I can pass out to people. Um, and also, if I can order the free Bible study literature and whatever free stuff you have so I can grow more into God. Thank you. God bless you. Well, this lady got baptized. She called persistently to get Bible Hi, studies. My name is Laura. And uh, yes, I am very anxious to receive the Bible study and uh, any tracks, if you have any tracks available, I would appreciate it. At the same time, if, if you can, can you donate me a Bible if possible? I w it would really be appreciated. If you have time, maybe you can give me a call. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Bye-bye. This guy had a Colporter sell a book to him, and then he got glow tracks afterwards. Listen to the, the ending of it. Hello, my name is Donato. I didn't know if I could get a study Bible mailed out to me. Uh, my address is in Watsonville, California. I picked up a flyer, a small one, and I, I'm interested in reading more. Uh, and I really like the books. I believe uh, I bought a couple uh, or donated some money to some kids that were going to college uh, and 
they came to my uh, house, and I was wondering if I could uh, get some info mailed out regarding, uh, you know, Bible study, and uh, I'm interested in reading more and learning about the Word of God. Um, I know it's life's too short, and uh, we have to be ready. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. This guy said only 19 words in his voicemail. It's awesome. From Kentucky. Yeah, this is Ernest Gregory. Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky? I'd like to have your free Bible study plans, please. Thank you. Man, a few words. I love it. Okay, there's there's going to be a few more voicemails. They're just a few seconds ahead of us, but uh, it's awesome. Glow tracks are getting all over the place. This woman called three times. Hi, my name is Tamara. I'm highly interested in free Bible study plans. If you could send that information to me, I can use that with some people that I get together with, and we all do Bible study. And I'm also highly interested if um, I could have some more of these little glow pamphlets. I just love them. Um, There's the promise of peace and the power of prayer and uh, does God really hear me or something like that? These are just the ones that come to mind that I have found uh, going to different doctors I've been seeing. Anyway, I would love to have more of those um, if it's possible for you to just send me some to use and hand out to people I do studies with. I thank you and God bless you. Bye-bye. She got them at a doctor's office, the glow tracks. She signed up for Bible studies. This guy has a speech impediment. He's not drunk. He just can't speak well. Listen to it. It's touching. This is Lee. Please call me back at 810-4118. This guy not only wants Bible studies... He wants to learn how to talk better. Amen? This is a Samoan non-Adventist pastor in Alaska. My name is uh, Pastor Tully. My address is Anchorage, Alaska, 99520. I'm ordering a free Bible study material. Thank you very much, and God bless Amen. I love it when non-Adventist pastors sign up for Bible studies. Oh, this lady found a glow track in a crazy place. Hi, my name is Mary Pearl. Um, I don't need a Bible study program. What I was really interested in is your little pamphlets. Um, I found one in a bathroom at Walmart, and I thought, what a cool idea <laughs> to, uh, you know, help people find God. But I was thinking if you wanted to send me some of those little pamphlets, I will leave them around everywhere. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Now, now look, she calls back a second time, though, to actually, and she changes her mind about the Bible studies. 
Brotherka again. Um, I just left you my name, phone number, address, and actually I changed my mind. I do want your free um, Bible home study program. I have three grandchildren whose parents don't uh, take them to church or much of anything. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to send me that, I am going to do that with my grandkids. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Amen. So put those glow tracks in the bathrooms at Walmart. This lady found a tract in her kitchen. She has no idea how it got there. Hi. I don't know how I got this, but it's sign of the times and got health. And I have a three-year-old, and I'm very, very interested in Bible health and nutrition. I'm working organically with my son, but I'd really like more information. I don't know how I got this little pamphlet, but you know how God works. So there we are connected now, and I'll look forward to hearing from someone. Thank you. Bye-bye. She actually bought MAGA books online later. Oh, this is an evangelical TV station calling in for uh, tracks. Yes. Could you please send me some information about your organization and the products that you provide, such as the free Bible study plans? My name is Michael, and I represent television show called Video Inspirations, where it's a television show that airs here in Sacramento locally, and of course we minister the Word of God, and we also showcase Christian music videos, and I just happened to run across one of your tracks here as I'm eating lunch here in Sacramento, and I thought it was very interesting, and I'd like to see about some information that we could perhaps share or provide to our viewers for those who make the decision to accept the Lord, so if you can give me a call, or better yet, just mail them. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, blessed day. Bye for now. Powerful, huh? That uh, that last guy. Uh, I don't. Just to make sure everybody caught that. Basically, he um, is a. He found some tracks in Sacramento, and what they wanted to do when they found our glow tracks, they liked them so much that they wanted to um, advertise the glow tracks on their TV station up in uh, in Sacramento. And then when they found out that we had uh, free Bible study plans, uh, they said, well, maybe we can coordinate some of our interested viewers with your Bible study plans and connect them with a local church. Uh, do you think we were willing to help out with that? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, that, that uh, Hawaiian pastor, the Samoan who signed up for Bible studies, he, guess where he found that, the tract? He was going to a, a little taco shop up in Alaska, and um, he found the tract on the ground outside of the taco shop, signed up for Bible studies. We called back up to the Alaskan church. They followed up with it. The pastor, Donovan, sat down with him. They had a good conversation. When he found out that Donovan was an Adventist, he said, oh, my brother lives in California. He's an, he's an Adventist too. He took me to an evangelistic series, and I've been interested in prophecy ever since. And so the Adventist pastor arranged to have Bible studies with this Samoan and non-Adventist pastor, and not only him, but also the associate pastor and the rest of the church congregation. Amen. All because of that little tract on a ground out, outside of a taco shop. Amen? Amen. Powerful. Well, um, let's move on into our presentation um, for SEYC. This is our third one. Title is To Sell or Not to Sell. That is not in question. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me and laughing a little bit. Um, I just want to remind us of this little, by the way, did you like that transition from the one slide to the other? <laughs> Shoot, I love it, man. Microsoft Office 2010. 
Woo, it's fun. Okay, so the LE pyramid, literature evangelism pyramid. It, at the base, you have a picture of all the church members, and then at the top, you have a little bit of the church members. Mrs. White, once again, as in review, she says that every, let every believer scatter broadcast tracts and leaflets containing the message for this time. In other words, every single person can become involved in passing out literature. It doesn't matter if you're already involved in some other kind of ministry, you can get involved in passing out literature. Simple. But not everybody is called to be full-time call porters. But in a crowd this size, I almost guarantee you that there's about two of you that uh, the Lord is probably calling to do full-time call portering as a life work. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to focus the rest of our seminar here on that, what that is. Did you know that the church in, in the early days, it actually grew quite extensively because of call porters. The church didn't have money to fund everybody missionary-wise to go out to the different parts of the earth. So what happened is they would just send out call porters. Well, the call porters would be self-supporting because they go and they sell books. And while they're spreading the gospel through that medium, they're also receiving wages to support themselves. Does that make sense? Colportering is one of the few ministries in the church that uh, actually pays you, the person that you go to minister to, pays you to minister to them. So we're not relying on, upon uh, donations from within the church as much to subsidize the ministry. We're actually going out and, and gathering the money from the Gentiles. And that's what makes it so, so powerful and effective. Is, um, that's one of the, the main reasons why. So what we're going to do in this presentation, I'm going to go through several very interesting quotes that Ellen White has a say about colportering that many of you might not have ever known existed. First one is uh, from letter 124 in 1902. She says, God calls for workers from every church among us to enter his service as canvasser evangelists. Now, God calls how many? Wh what is it? Is it worker or workers? Workers. And workers is not singular, but plural. So this quote, from this quote, we can deduce that God would like to have at least two colporters in how many churches? Every church. Now, how many colporters are there in the church today? You might not know the answer to that, uh, but I work in the area of literature evangelism, and I'll just tell you right now, this is not happening. <laughs> now, there's a reason why. Going back to the pyramid here, um, you remember, most, Mrs. White says that everybody can get involved in literature distribution, uh, but not everybody can get involved in literature sales. What happened is when the church began, um, there was a, a heavy emphasis on literature distribution. We were getting people, everybody, involved in just passing out literature, right? It's highly effective. And then we started doing literature sales. One of the first call porters, his name was George King. And uh, he couldn't preach worth a hoot, and so he decided to go door to door and start selling books, and they'd preach for him. And that's how call portering began. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, over time, the emphasis began to be less and less on everyday church members passing out literature and more and more on full-time specialists selling the books. Does that make sense? So what happened is that the base of this pyramid right here began to dissolve and the only people that were left doing literature evangelism primarily were the full-time adult call porters. That's why when you think about call portering, many of us think of some guy with the top hat, you know, carrying a briefcase with a picture of like an angel behind him or something. And, uh, you know, that is the iconic picture of literature evangelism. Well, in reality, that is a very limited view of literature evangelism. Literature evangelism encompasses the entire church. And when you take out the foundation of getting everybody involved in passing out literature, you also take away the interest of people who might become interested in eventually becoming full-time literature sellers, too. I don't know if this is making sense, but 
Anyway, we'll just keep on rolling. So the first interesting quote that we see here is that God actually wants two culporters, at least, in every single church. Why? Because it is an amazingly effective ministry that we don't often hear about nowadays. Moving on to the second quote here. This is from Manual for Canvassers, page 42. Uh, she says, In evangelistic canvassing, young men may become better, trained, better prepared for ministerial labor than by spending many years in school. Those who are fitting for the ministry can engage in no other occupation that will give them so large an experience as will the canvassing work. Now, I'm bringing out these quotes especially because many of us in here are in college, and some of you in here might even be theology students. She says that uh, going out and canvassing is one of the best preparations for actually entering into the ministry, uh, even more so than spending many years in school. I have two other quotes that actually go right along this line. Look at the next one with me. It's in Manual for Canvassers, page 67. Those who give evidence that they are truly converted and who take up the canvassing work will see that it is the best preparation. What kind of preparation? The best, not the better, but the best preparation for other lines of missionary labor. Now, once again, I don't want to get it across that I'm being arrogant here. I'm not praising a ministry. I'm just reading the quotes here, something you might not have heard before. Interesting, aren't they? Last one on this point. This is in uh, the sixth volume of Testimonies, page 330-331. She says, Let those who have been in school go out into the field and put into practice, um, and put to practice, and put to a practice. Wait a minute. Let me read the sentence again. <laughs> Let those who have been in school go out into the field and put to a practical use the knowledge they have gained. In other words, when you learn about biblical things in school, don't just let it settle there. Go out into the field and let other people know about it. If canvassers will do this, using the ability which God has given them, seeking counsel from him, and combining the work of selling books with personal labor for the people, their talents will increase by exercise, and they will learn many practical lessons which they could not possibly learn in school. The education obtained in this practical way may properly be termed higher education. So in other words, learning in school and then going out and working in the field and doing canvassing may properly be termed higher education. Now, when I, was, uh, when I graduated from Rio Lindo Academy, uh, I felt convicted by the Lord to go colportering full-time. And I ran away like Jonah. Oh, brother, you better believe me. I, I didn't want to go knock on doors for anything. And, uh, but the Lord, you know, he has his way. He's, he still pursues us. And I eventually went. Now, when I went colportering the summer after my senior year in high school, the Lord laid on me this burden. He said, now I want you to go to this little school called Souls West, which is out in the middle of Arizona. It's like an unaccredited two-year school, Bible college, and it's an Adventist one. And I was like, no way, Jose. Um, I'm going to go to Southern. I was planning on going to Southern with uh, my four other friends. I'm, I am gonna get, I'm start, gonna start working on uh, pre-med and I'm gonna work on math education too because I really like math. I wanted to be a math teacher. But the Lord said, no, I don't want you to do that. And so I fought with him for a long time and eventually I said, okay, Lord, if this is really you speaking to me, I want you to make it absolutely clear. So the next morning in devotions, I picked up Patriarchs and Prophets and as I was reading, I came to the chapter about the call of Abraham and how he was called out of Ur to go to the land of Canaan. And she says in that paragraph um, how he left behind his 
congenial associations, his friends and his family, to enter upon a path which only appeared to be self-denial and sacrifice. And that was exactly what I was going through. The Lord was calling me to go on a path that seemed like self-denial and sacrifice. Are you kidding me? Go knock on doors and sell books for two years? No way! And then in one of the sentences in that paragraph, she actually said, um, he calls, God oftentimes by his providence calls young men to enter into untried fields. Now, four years later, as I look in retrospect at why God had me go to this little school called Souls West, it all makes sense. Because if I wouldn't have gone there, I wouldn't have been able to be hired on by the conference in Central California, and the Lord would have never been able to use me to help start this GLOW program and push it. And guess what? GLOW is an untried field. Does that make sense? That was a little prophecy in there. God was speaking to me. And, you know, if he calls us to do routes that don't seem conventional, follow him. And he has the best in mind for us. Amen? So, um, <clears throat> let's move on to our next quote here. Remember, we're just going through some interesting quotes about colportering, full-time literature evangelism. She says, angels are commissioned to go forth with those who take up this work in true humility. Publishing ministry, page 302. What? So angels work with us while we're out there? Yes, they do, my friends. Uh, recently, I heard a story about uh, a colporter who was in Fresno, and uh, he happened to go up to a, a house of a, of a family, knocked on the door, they invited him inside, and he was selling the hardcover sets of books. And uh, he sat down, and he was by himself, and, and the family brought out two chairs. They set one down, the other, and he sat down in one, and he started telling the people about the books, and as he was telling them about them, uh, the people would look at him, and they'd listen, uh-huh, and then they'd look at the empty chair, and they'd nod their head, uh-huh, and then they'd look at him and say, oh, okay, and then they'd look at the empty chair, and they go, ah, and the culprit is thinking, man, these people are crazy. Well, anyway, he finished his canvas. The people said, yeah, we don't have the money right now, but come back in two weeks. Comes back two weeks later, knocks on the door. The people open the door. They say, hey, how you doing? He says, oh, good, good. You know, I brought the books with me, you know. And uh, they say, hey, where's your friend? And the culprit is like, what friend? They say, you know, the guy who was with you last time, you know. Uh, and he says, there wasn't anybody with me last time. They say, yeah, there was. He says, no, there wasn't. They say, yeah, there was. And all of a sudden, it clicked in the culprit's mind. He's like, wait a minute, the chair. And it, all the dots connected, and he's like, Huh. And he asked them, what did he look like? And just nonchalantly, as though it was not a big deal, they said, oh, yeah, he was, you know, about seven foot tall. And he had, like, you know, these, this, this lighter kind of hair. And, and he was sitting right next to you. And, you know, we'd listen to you. And, and then we'd look at him, and he'd be going like this. <laughs> he was nodding and smiling. That's all he did. He just nodded and smiled. And, and we're buying the books because of his good recommendation. Amen. Hey, wouldn't you like to be like an angel? You just go to the door? Uh-huh. You smile and nod, and people are like, oh, let me, where's my money? I want to buy those books, right? Amen? Listen, angels are commissioned to go forth. Listen to the quote. Angels are commissioned to go forth with those who take up this work, the colportering work, in true humility. <laughs> Powerful. Let's look at our next quote here. Our canvassers, this is in letter 102, 1910. Our canvassers are having marked success. And why should they not? The heavenly angels are working with them. Um, continuing on with the quote here, she says, 
Yeah, well, anyway, that's a good quote. So moving on to the next one. <laughs> Every canvasser has positive and constant need of the angelic ministration. So when you go out and you do canvassing or cult portering, you can't just go out there and do it on your own. You have to have the angels with you, right? Apparently. Every canvasser has positive and constant need of the angelic ministration, for he has an important work to do, a work that he cannot do in his own strength. Those who are born again and who are willing to be guided by the Holy Spirit, doing in Christ's way that which they can do, those who will work as if they could see the heavenly universe watching them, will be accompanied and instructed by holy angels who will go before them to the dwellings of the people preparing the way for them. Cole Porter Ministry, page 112. Did you catch that right there? What are the angels supposed to do? The angels actually prepare the way before the culporters. We know for a fact that this actually happens in a physical sense. The past two years that we've done culportering in California with our student programs during the summer, the angels have been doing some interesting things and they've, we've actually, the, the customers at the doors have been seeing them. And it, just within the past two years, mind you, and they've been preparing the way ahead of the culporters. Here's a story to illustrate the point. One of our students, his name is Corvin, and uh, he went to, uh, he had already had an angel experience. You know, the typical angel experience for us is when the culporters at the door by themselves, but then when the person at the door comes back uh, to give them a water bottle, they bring back two water bottles. And they say, this one's for you, this one's for your friend. That's almost like a dime a dozen nowadays. Like, we have those a lot. <laughs> And, uh, you know, whenever they ask, the students ask the people what the angel looked like, it's almost always the same thing. Oh, they're about, you know, the guy's about seven foot tall and, you know, that kind of thing. As though it's not unusual to see a seven foot tall person, you know. Anyway, I don't know how the Lord does that. He kind of puts a cloud over people's minds. But anyway, this one guy, Corbin, he already had one of those experiences. And the leader of that Cole Porter team was very skeptical. In fact, the publishing director for that conference was even more skeptical. He's like, I'm not sure. Man, I don't know about this angel stuff. So this kid named Corvin, he goes up to a house, sells him a book. Guy comes back out, brings him two water bottles. Okay, Corvin is like, oh, this is an angel experience. And, and he, start, he says, hey, so um, is, is, is he still with me? You know, is, is, is my buddy, you know, that you're talking about, is he still with me at the door here? And the guy's like, no. <laughs> no, he, he took off to the next house down the road. What does this quote say? Angels prepare the way ahead of the culporters. What was that angel doing? He was moving to the next house to prepare the hearts of the people. Now come to find out, the conversation, it gets better than that. The conversation went on. And the person at the door uh, described the guy. He says, yeah, he was about seven foot tall. He had khaki pants, a white shirt, and dark hair. And he, he, he had his arm over your shoulder. What? A seven-foot angel had his arm over the shoulder to Cole Porter. Some of you guys are thinking, man, this is just blowing out of the water. This guy's going crazy. He's lying to us. Actually, I'm not. We have, we have witnesses. And I'll, t I'll, sh I'll share with you. Um, so <clears throat> anyway, Corvin's like, okay, this is crazy. This is a crazy experience. He goes to the next house, knocks on the door. This guy comes out, and the guy ends up buying a Desire of Ages from him. Right? When the guy's done, the guy brings out two water bottles. He brings out a big one and a small one. And with a smile on his face, he says, the little one's for you, and the big one's for your big friend. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then he does something strange. When you sell a book to somebody as a culporter, you sign the receipt and you give them the carbon copy. But what happened is that the person at the door who bought the book, they actually took the receipt pad out of his hand, 
they signed it themselves and gave it back to him. As Corvin was walking away, he called the leader over and he's like, this is crazy, like two angel experiences in a row, right? And the leader's like totally skeptical, right? They go back to that house. The leader, the, the leader comes over, gets together with Corvin, and, and, the, and the leader goes back to the house that they had just knocked on the door of. Nobody answers. They knock twice, nobody answers. They look in the window and there's no furniture inside. It's an empty house. And as they were talking, come to find out, the person who bought the Desire of Ages, guess what he looked like? He had khaki pants, a white shirt, and dark hair. <laughs> and they still have the signature of that receipt pad with them. I've looked at it. We showed it at camp meeting in, in Central California Conference, and some of you are thinking, well, what was the name? Actually, it's just a signature. You can't understand it. It's illegible. But we still have it. Amen? That is powerful stuff. Man, that sends chills down my spine. Listen, the Lord has his angels out there working with us. Next quote. This is from Six Volume of Testimonies, page 314. Much responsibility rests upon the canvasser. He should go to his work prepared to explain the scriptures. If he puts his trust in the Lord as he travels from place to place, angels of God will be around about him doing what? What will the angels do? They'll give him words to speak that will bring light and hope and courage to many souls. Angels do what? They give culporters words to speak. This last summer, we know of an angel that actually went beyond that. Uh, I just, if you don't believe me, talk to me afterwards. I will give you the cell phone number for the person who this experience happened to. And uh, they live up in Washington. This happened in the Washington Conference uh, no, I'm sorry, Upper Columbia Conference when they were uh, culportering this last summer. A kid was in a, a very affluent neighborhood. This guy was not intoxicated that he was selling a book to. He was, had a clear mind. He was the, the student was trying to sell him a great controversy. And the, as, as they were in their conversation, the, the man who was being sold the book, he kept, he kept on saying things like, you guys, you guys. And eventually he said, you know what? I'm not going to buy the book, but I really like what you two are doing. And the culprit was there by himself. And so all of a sudden it clicked. He's like, what do you mean you two? And he says, you and your buddy. And he's like, what are you talking about? There's nobody here. And he says, yeah, there is. And then he proceeds to actually talk to the empty space right next to the student. And as he talks to the empty space, he pauses as though the thing, whatever it is, is speaking back to him. And the student is just standing there like baffled. He's like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like this person at the door is talking to nothing right next to me. And by listening to the half of the conversation he could actually hear, it sounded like the angel was trying to canvas him on buying the great controversy. So not only do angels, according to this quote, give Cole Porter's words to speak, but sometimes they actually speak up themselves. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Crazy stuff. Uh, you know what? Interestingly enough, even though angels uh, try their best, sometimes they don't even prevail. That guy didn't end up buying the great controversy. Um, but you, it, it's just amazing to know that they're out there working with us. Listen, this, these aren't far-flung things, guys. Do we really believe that angels exist? Do we really believe what the prophet says? If we believe those things, then we should expect to see this every now and then. Amen? Amen. All right, moving on to the next quote. <laughs> these ones, now we're getting into eschatological stuff. In other words, things of the end time, uh, prophecies of colportering. In uh, Review and Herald, January 17, or June 17, 1902, she says, As long as probation continues, there will be opportunity 
for the canvasser to work. Well, hey, how many of you here would like to have some job security? Amen? <laughs> well, I know one good job you can get involved in that you can always have uh, something to do with. You know, that's a neat thing. I, personally, I'll just, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm 25. Um, I went to Souls West, and it's an unaccredited school. I don't have a degree, but I'm not worried about that. The reason why is because if the Lord calls me to get a degree, that's fine. He calls us in different ways. But uh, if I ever don't end up, if I under, ever end up losing my job, Lord forbid, I always have something I can fall back on, and that is just going out and selling books. I have a friend uh, who this last year, he, uh, he, uh, he supported his family, his wife and his child, by working five days a week, four hours a day, just going out and call portering. I have one student who I trained uh, who sold $3,000 worth of books in one week. This conception that people don't read anymore is just, it's flawed. In fact, if anything, the, the internet is actually fueling literacy. And the books that are on top of the charts oftentimes are religious. And so when we go out door to door, uh, we can believe quotes like this. As long as probation continues, there will be opportunity for the canvasser to work. Amen? Amen. Next quote. When the religious denominations unite with the papacy to oppress God's people, places where there is religious freedom will be opened by evangelistic canvassing. That's in Review and Herald, June 17, 1902. What? Have you ever read that quote before? Okay, let's read it one more time. When the religious denominations, speaking about the evangelical churches in the United States or whatever, when the religious denominations unite with the papacy to oppress God's people, Seventh-day Adventists, places where there is religious freedom, I don't know, maybe a town over here or wherever, you know, where they're actually open to Adventism, places where there is religious freedom will be opened by evangelistic canvassing. It's, it's quotes like this that are very intriguing to me. This is a prophecy, right? And uh, what it's saying is it's giving us a picture of, of God, the condition of God's church. God's church, towards the end, is going to have uh, call porters in it, people who are actually out there doing the work in the field. As I look at the church and the field today, though, I don't see that picture being able to be fulfilled. So something has to happen in between now and then. You know how Jesus, a lot of times, he'd say, so that the scripture might be fulfilled, right? He knew what was going to happen ahead of time, and he would do the things in accordance on the timeline so that he could fulfill those scriptures as his life went along. And that is exactly what we're trying to do with the GLOW program. GLOW is a four-level program. The first level is what I talked to you about this morning, which is literature distribution. The third level is literature sales. And we're in, in Central California Conference, we're actually opening up a adult colportering school called CTC, Colporter Training Course. And uh, that's what it stands for, Glow Colporter Training Course, where we're going to be taking, and those who the Lord lays the burden upon, they can come to the school and we're going to train them. It's going to be a two-month training course uh, for people who want to get involved in learning how to sell books, make a living off of it. Our idea is not just to end there and have colporters all over the place, but we want to have young men and women come in who are quality. Not the, as Mrs. White says, not the um, floating element of society. Those who have made a success of nothing. We want the top-notch people, the ones with good address, keen, tactful insight, she says. And uh, when they come through this program, uh, yes, they'll be equipped to be a culporter and to make their living doing that and spreading the gospel through that method. But we also want to take a select few of them and actually turn them into culporter trainers. 
and uh, so that we have a pool of Cole Porter trainers to draw from so that when a church, say off in North Dakota, calls us and they say, hey, we hear you guys have this program. Can you send somebody out to train our people in our church? We'll say, sure. We've got a package here to send one or two of our people out to train your church on how to do Cole Portering um, for however many months or whatever. Cool idea, huh? Hey, you know, you got to dream big. Something might not happen out of it, but we're just trying to follow the blueprints of Spirit of Prophecy. Something has to happen. We've got to get some more Cole Porters out there. So that's what's happening in Central Cal. It's going to be starting in the end of January, January 30 through March uh, 28, I think, is the dates for the first session of the Cole Porter training course. And uh, there's more information that you can get on the program as well as you can register for the program online at glowctc.com. Glowctc, which is Cole Porter training course. Glow Cole Porter training course. Glow glowctc.com. <laughs> you like that logo? Yeah, I think it's pretty spiffy myself. Cole Porter training course. Pretty simple. <clears throat> anyway, let's uh let's start wrapping things up here and perhaps we'll have like a minute or two just for like um, some questions. We might have to push that until afterwards. Here's our last quote. This is from Manuscript 113 in 1901. Books containing the precious light of the present truth are lying on the shelves of our publishing houses. Have you guys ever gone into a church and you've seen literature in there collecting dust? <laughs> you know what I like to do sometimes when I go, I preach in a lot of different churches and when I go in, I'll, I'll go into the, the back where they have their literature or their old literature rack and I'll pull out the literature and I'll look at the dates. You look at some of this stuff and it's like, I wouldn't even want to pass that out. Like it's embarrassing, it's so old because it never got passed out, right? It made it to the church, but never made it into the hands of the people outside of the church. And uh, this is what this quote is getting at. Books containing the precious light of present truth are lying on the shelves of our publishing houses. These should be circulated. Canvassers are needed who will enter our large cities with these books. As they go from house to house, they will find souls who are hungry for the bread of life to whom they can speak words in season. Canvassers are needed who feel a burden for souls. You may say, I am not a minister. I cannot preach to the people. No, you may not be able to preach, but you can be a minister. You can ask those uh, you meet if they love the Lord Jesus. You can be an evangelist. You can be God's helping hand, working as did the disciples when Christ sent them forth. Young men, young women, you are called by the master to take up his work. There is a famine in the land for the pure gospel. You know, I think about Lamentations I think it's chapter 3, verse 27, where it says that it is good for the young man to bear the yoke in his youth. You guys know that verse. It's not just talking about young men. It's talking about young women. Friends, it's while we're young that we can make the biggest impact for the Lord. And um, the Lord is calling us, many of us, into full-time ministry. It might not be the conventional ministry that we've wanted to do, but uh, if the Lord is calling us one way, the best place to be is inside of his will. Amen? I just want to close with a story here. Um, <clears throat> I have been colportering, or I've had some colportering experience for about the past seven years, and we've had some amazing stories, amazing stories, but my own personal ones are the ones that are, are most meaningful to me because I, I had them myself, and it's just changed my life. It was because of literature evangelism and colportering that, that, uh, that I am who I am today because when I was there, it taught me to, to learn how to work with people. 
You know, when I go up to somebody in the grocery store now, I know how to guide a conversation with them. There's no dead airspace. The reason why is because I've had so much practice working with people at the doors. When I, when I meet somebody in, in, in the gas station and I want to give them a glow track, the reason how I can uh, figure out what to say to them is because I can read their body language. How can I read their body language? It's because I've had so much practice trying to read people's body language when they come to the doors to sh know exactly what book to hand to them and how quick to be and all that kind of stuff. You see how it's highly practical, this kind of a ministry. You learn how to help bring people to spiritual decisions. But I remember one experience in particular. Um, I was colportering in, in the town of Paso Robles. I was um, selling some books and I stumbled upon a family who, uh, they were just so great. They invited me inside of their house and uh, as I was sharing the books with them, um, I was telling them about the Blue Bible Stories because they had kids. And uh, they, were, uh, they were just really into what I was telling them. They, it, was almost, it was almost like a sermon, you know? I was talking to them about the Bible. And, and they started asking me all these questions about the Bible. And the little kids were there too. And I remember them asking questions about, you know, the, the Garden of Eden. You know, why, why did the snake, how could the snake speak? And all these simple things, you know? And I was just sharing with them. I actually had to stop the canvas. I had to go out to my car and get my Bible and bring it back in. And I just, I just gave them a Bible study. I answered their questions straight out of the Bible. And it was such an enriching experience for me. And I remember that during the course of our conversation, one thing in particular stood out to me. I was talking to this precious family. And I stooped down to one of the little kids and I, and I talked to them as a little boy. I said, hey, what's your favorite Bible character? You, do you like Samson or Moses or Noah? And he looked back at me. He had a blank stare on his face. And he said, who are they? There's a famine in the land for the pure gospel. What more do I need to say? I don't need to give you any more reason to get into ministry for the Lord. Perhaps the Lord is calling some of you to be involved in full-time actual colportering. If that's the case, well, I pray you'll visit the website and uh, sign up. Um, for the majority of us, actually for every single one of us, though, we can all get involved in at least passing out tracts. Amen? I want to I see the Lord. I want to see him soon. But I pray that he'll hold off until we can reach many people. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much um, for your great love towards us, Lord, for holding back the four winds, Lord, for not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, we know that it is your will that all men come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. And Father, you have given us practical ways to spread this gospel message quickly and effectively to the people who are perishing around us. Lord, I think about what you told us through your prophet, uh, she said in Christ Object Lessons that millions upon millions are passing away unwarned and unsaved every year. Lord, when I did those, those numbers and calculated it out, it came down to about 11,000 people dying every day who have never heard of the special, special message that you have for us to give to them. Father, there's a great work to do before us. We understand that. And I just pray, Lord, that you would send your spirit of conviction to each and every one of us, Lord, to be faithful in the small things. There are some today, Lord, who are hearing this message that 
in a crowd this size, I believe, Lord, that you are calling them to be full-time literature evangelists. And Lord, I just pray that you would send that spirit of conviction as you did to me. Don't let them go until they give in, Lord, because many souls will hang in the balance of their decision. Father, we thank you that uh, you are coming back and uh, we'll get to see you face to face someday. We just pray for those people right now, Lord, that you'd help us to reach them quickly, Lord, so that we can uh, bring many of our friends to heaven with us. We pray for these things in your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.